What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to finally another episode of uh, Behind the Gorilla. Although this is going to be two-parter. Part one, we're going to talk about All Out, because that just happened last night as we're recording this. But then the main event, we are finally doing a full, in-depth review of You Cannot Kill David Arquette, movie about our patron saint that finally came out after months and months of waiting. It came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I did a quick review that I put up on on Twitter and put up on our uh, YouTube channel, Behind the Gorilla Wrestling Podcast. But now we're now we have Harris here, and we're going to do a deep dive in it. We couldn't do it when it came out because Harris decided to have a bachelor party to go to, and uh, so that kind of kind of ruined that. So that's why we're late, but we're still getting it done. I don't have anything too quippy to say to that, other than yeah, that was really inconsiderate <laughs> of my buddy to get married a few weeks. After David Arquette's latest, greatest work of art came out. No, no, no. The week. No, yeah. but he's getting married later. That's what I'm saying. Oh, the oh, bachelor oh, party oh, was right, the week right. of. Gotcha. It was gotcha. really poor timing. It was. It was. And he should be ashamed of himself, but. Oh, he is. He is. Don't good. worry. We, we, we had a long sit down about it. Good. Well, see, that's good. That's good at least. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get started. It. Um, I, I'm hoping that the podcast sounds different because we're back in a studio for the first time in over a year and a half. Um. Because I'm finally and by, a, we, by we, me, me, I, by me, yeah. I'm sitting on my couch like always. Yeah, Harris is doing nothing as always to help the audio quality of the podcast. Um, that is all me. And so, but we are, I am back in a studio at a radio station now with a different job than I'm working. So we have access to this and hopefully it sounds better. If it doesn't, well, I'll go back home. That's easy enough. <laughs> easy enough solution. I'll go back to my mic and computer at home. But, uh. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about both of these. We're going to start off with this part one, obviously talking about All Out. Um, Harris, I'm pretty sure the first AEW pay-per-view we haven't watched together, except for Double or Nothing. The first Double or Nothing we didn't didn't watch together. Um, But before AEW had like a weekly show and everything. Yeah, and it's weird, like, because they haven't had that many. I think you saying that was the first time I realized. I mean, you're just like, oh, yeah, because they only have like, Four a year, right? Five. I mean, it's. Uh, I think like four. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really nice actually because they feel like a big deal every time they come up, you yep. know. So, yeah, this was the first one. This is okay. I was telling my friend about this last night. This is their one year anniversary, right? When did Dynamite start airing? Wasn't uh, it in October, September, October. It was October. Yeah. So it was like they had the first All Out, and then TV started shortly after that, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, man, this year went by fast. I know. I know. It it, it really did. But, uh, yeah, so that was kind of disappointing. Now I'm back to watching wrestling by myself, which well, isn't Well, I as was fun. thinking, I was like, watch, this will be the evening that David Arquette debuts in the, <laughs> you know, in the Casino Battle Royale, and we'll just miss it. And we'll, you know, we'll see it, but we'll see it separately, and it won't yeah. be the same. Yeah, yeah. But that didn't happen, um, I guess, fortunately or unfortunately, depending well, on how you Well, I was going to say, because he, he might have injured himself. That was kind of the theme yeah. for a while. That yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a rough show, man. It, it, it was, was a rough show. It, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. It was just about everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for, uh, for AEW in this, in this show. And it was, it, was, it was sad and scary at the same time, but just... Oh, it was just one of those days when you're just like, man, they just can't win. Yeah, exactly. And luckily, it was mostly like the mid to lower half of the card. I feel like yeah. as the show progressed, like it, it got better. But I think this was the first time. And it's interesting because you have Twitter and you can see this happen in real time that a lot of people were like, guys, this is not a good show so far. Like this has been kind of a mess. Yeah. Which I- is not like. It's just interesting to see and honestly kind of refreshing just to see a company that normally 
everyone is raving about their product say, no, 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 they dropped the ball on this. Like in, in some ways, I think they pulled it out. I think it was still a good show. But yeah, I agree. I, I think, boy. I think a lot of the criticism, criticism was a little harsh. Um, because I didn't think it was a bad show. Um, obviously there were hiccups and stuff. The, the biggest issue was to be honest, how hot it was there. Cause it was like human, like heat index of like a hundred plus, like the entire time. And it was like a four and a half hour long show or mm-hmm. whatever it ended up being a f- three and a half or four hour long show. And so, I mean, the crowd was dead, but like not really for any fault of theirs. Like the show was long and it was so hot out there that, 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 that didn't help things either. Just, yeah. The, and I've the, read some theories that like the ropes were slick with the humidity yeah. and that's part of why, uh, why your boy almost killed himself. Yeah, we'll get into that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It, it was just, it, it was a lot of stuff that wasn't in their control. And then one or two very key points that were, I think it's one of those things where the injuries or near injuries kind of shook the crowd just as much as the heat did. Yeah. And it yeah, took them yeah. a while to get the show back on track. I think like if we look back on this in 10 years and everybody's okay, like long term, then it'll be it'll be remembered a little bit more fondly. It was just a scary show for a while there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um because yeah, I don't think it was a bad show at all. Um I think a lot of that was was harsh, but um but anyway, so you want to get into uh talking about some of these matches? Sure. Do you are you just gonna run down the card or uh yeah for the most part. Um okay. yeah for the most part I think that's just the easiest way to go. Um the pre-show matches. I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't care. Um, I didn't. Didn't really care much about about those. Uh, but um, the first match was that weird um, cinematic tooth match with Big Swole trying to kill Britt Baker. Um, that was interesting. Yeah, Mark. I thought this match sucked. I, really <laughs> I, I didn't did like not it either. Care for it. <laughs> Didn't I think this – I haven't watched all of the cinematic matches that have been put on since COVID hit. I yeah. think this is the worst cinematic match I've seen this year. Because it wasn't cinematic. It was just – If you're not going to be like a little silly, then what are you even doing? And I don't think this match tried to be silly enough. I think it just no. came across as stupid. Like you don't have to have a supernatural element. That's fine. Like right, a stadium right. stampede match which just guys fighting in a football stadium. But the spots in that match were a lot more fun and a lot more over the top. Yeah. And not just, oh, look, she's got a needle. She's got a needle. No, she stabbed the chair. That's crazy, man. Look at that. <laughs> that was all this was, dude. This was weak. It was. It did not do much for me at all. I agree. And it's just a, it's a, it's a rivalry I don't care anything about anyway. So that didn't help. But uh, I agree. The, the execution was just – very unremarkable for for something like that and it was just like just have a normal match that would have been better just right that's the thing because i would i would be interested to see more of these two characters and they don't you know everyone says they don't push the women's roster as much as they could or should i would have been interested to see these two have a match I i didn't i didn't like the dentist match and that might be some of like Britt baker coming back from an injury and they're just you know they don't want to throw her back in the ring yet which given everything else that happened might have been a good decision but sure. yeah this did not work for me at all yeah i agree i wasn't wasn't a huge fan of um the tooth and nail match a- and isaac yankum never showed up so that that really hindered it for me maybe someday anyway um then we had the young bucks versus uh jurassic express which i mean was fine i mean th- those guys are always good enough you know they're they're always good um I, it it just it frustrates me that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy have been relegated to this role because they're both way better than that, and they deserve way more than being in this tag team with what it's been used for. And it just bugs me because they both stole the show. I think one hundred percent in this match, and then lost again. And it was just like, I mean, it's fine. I'm not all mad whenever someone from the elite wins, like half of Twitter is. Um, hmm. but. I it just in this instance it that's fine, but I just wish I wish Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy would get to do more because they're 
they're so much better than that. I really wish they'd get rid of Marco Stunt, who just I I want to <laughs> rip my eyeballs out. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I have nothing against the guy, but I cannot stand watching watching him. I I liked when Lance Archer like killed him. That was that was fun to watch when he like threw him into the crowd. That that was fun. But other than that, like that to me is what Marco Stunt is really good for. And I'm not not kidding. Like he's he's really good for that type of stuff, for that kind of sympathy of just getting destroyed by people. When he's out there with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, it's just like, just uh, just stop, man. Just it, he's what I don't like about wrestling. I think, see, I don't have any strong feelings about him. I think he's kind of funny because you got Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Right. So it's like a boy and his dinosaur. And then his even smaller boy. Yeah, no, I, I understand why it was very happened, funny to me. but he just—he's not funny at all to me. He's just annoying, like most other people in the history of wrestling that have been in this spot. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh. Um, but the match was fine. Um, you know, it was fine. Tag team match. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Luchasaurus getting written off for the match by diving into the crowd and just crushing a group <laughs> of onlookers, and then. You know, the Young Bucks obviously team up on Jungle Boy and get the win. Yeah. Just just a big fan of any big guy getting knocked out of a match in a fun way. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting him, even though it's performers, I wasn't expecting him to go diving into the front row like that and just <laughs> annihilate all these people. That was very fun. Yeah, I'm that not that fun. offended by their place. I feel like their place in the card is the same as a lot of like homegrown AEW stars, which is like – Mid card, upper mid card, but like you're not going to beat the A list players quite yet. I'm fine yeah. with that. I think they'll get there eventually. And like they clearly have such a story, like such a clear trajectory in mind for the Young Bucks and going to fight FTR, which sure. is like the dream, you know, crossover match that people have had for a long time. I'm, yeah, definitely. I'm fine with all of that. I imagine they'll get their chance at some point down the line. I hope so it so, was fine, but I was, yeah. Because we keep forgetting again, AEW with crowd and AEW without a crowd is very different product um, mm-hmm. because of how big the crowd for AEW is and has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the biggest people that has really suffered from this has been Luchasaurus because Luchasaurus has never been pushed in any way, really, other than they give him the big, big guy versus big guy spot um, in most matches at some point. They don't do anything with him. They they don't do anything with him. And and he by far was maybe the second or th- third or second most over person in the entire company when COVID hit. Um, other than maybe Darby Allen and maybe some maybe Cody or someone else occasionally. But I mean, he's pretty much consistently been a top three most over person babyface in in the company since 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 he broke out. And that really was keeping him going with that because it's not been the way they've been booked and now that's been gone so i think that's really kind of hurt both that tag team i can see that but i mean just to play devil's advocate and i'm pretty sure i read this somewhere i think AEW is being very intentional about like not pushing new stars too much right now like they know everyone likes the young bucks and kenny omega and they know everyone already hates MJF like he's over as a heel so those are the angles that they're really pushing the most I mean like I literally the the quote I read when this was a rumor a few weeks ago was they're trying to avoid the Drew McIntyre situation which is right hey here's this new baby faces crowning achievement in front of an empty arena yeah great work everyone like it does fall flat I would not be shocked if in a few months, whenever things get back to normal and they start having crowds again, you really see more of a Luchasaurus push. It would be nice. I would, I would definitely like to like to see that. But, um, but anyway, the match was good. Uh, the Casino Battle Royale was fun. Though those have always been great. I mean, they they do these get everyone on the card shows the right way, unlike WWE, where it actually matters and they actually make them very entertaining. With the people that, and there's actually usually a lot of people that could win in in these. So, mm-hmm. so I I enjoyed this again. Obviously, I think Lance Archer winning makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it makes sense, especially with the Moxley stuff, because I mean he's pretty much. Uh, I mean he's 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 a really good type of competitor for a title reign. Some you know someone like that. So it makes sense. 
Um, poor Matt Seidel. That that was, dude. I I don't know if I've ever felt so bad in my entire life watching wrestling. I I really don't. I, I'm I'm trying to think of a moment where I felt worse about something, uh, other than maybe someone getting like. Uh, obviously, there's been people that have gotten injured, um, or even obviously the Matt Hardy thing later. But I, that was just, I felt so bad, man, because it wasn't his fault, like at all. And it just that that hurt. That that hurt so bad. I, I felt so bad for that. And it was like, here's the thing: like AEW, I, I like them a lot. I like the company. They they are more likely to have botches in a big show, yeah. I feel like, than WWE. And I think some of that's just it, – it's just the talent involved is a little bit closer to the indies and they don't have big shows as often so it's more noticeable. It's just – it's the fact that he was the last guy. Yeah. And it was his debut. Like because I could see somebody doing that in an AEW match and everybody being like wah, wah and just move on you know, right. once you know he's okay. But it was just the worst possible timing and moment for it because yep. it wasn't just that th- it was like the not the pinnacle of the match, but he was the Joker card. He was the last person to come in. Big reveal, big new star in the company and then just instantly face planted. It was it was surreal, honestly, because, oh, my goodness, you just not you, you're not you're not ever expecting that to happen. No, it's it's literally just worst possible case of everything and it's just that that was just heartbreak that was heartbreaking man that was so so sad um seeing that man i felt so bad for that but it, the the silver lining i feel like is at least that everyone knows that he is good you know yeah, what i mean yeah it's not most like people he is do. a brand new star making his debut like if somebody right. wrestling for nwa like doing one of those tryout matches for Circle Squared or whatever came out and did that, that would be worse. I doubt that because nobody really watched that. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying like for them personally <laughs> in their career, at sure, least this sure. guy is still known as a good professional wrestler. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it wasn't it it, it wasn't good. No, it was bad, actually. No. I'm glad he's okay. That could have been way yeah, worse. Me too. Um, right. Yeah. Well, if you say worst case scenario, that's the only thing that could have made it worse right, is if he right. was actually seriously injured. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that was fortunate. But I mean, and it, but it was. Yeah, it, there was, it was no there was no coming back after it. And then they they even had him, you know, be one of the last three. And we're all sitting there. We're just like, just 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 throw him out. Come. Yep. We're just just get it over with because it, it's gone. It's gone. And that was. Man, that was that was very disappointing. But yeah, yeah. At least I, I really hope win. they don't like. Yeah, that would have been that would have been worse. That would have been worse. You you were right. That would have been bad if he was supposed to win. Um, I I really hope they're able to get around this, not having to make it part of like the show. Because mm-hmm. th- th- that's just you know poor Titus, but that's. That's, yeah, I was going to say Shockmaster style. Same yeah, thing. so into it. I'm hoping they just mention to move on um, and they, they let him do something big on Wednesday or something like that. Because, again, I mean, he's one of the best and he's one of the most underrated people in the history of WWE. And um, I mean, seriously, for a guy who's smaller than me to get into WWE for as long as he was, I mean, that right there shows you just how good he is. Um, he was one of my favorites for years watching him. That was my first actually authentic WWE shirt that I bought was his first, uh, first shirt, actually the first Evan Bourne shirt. But, um, yeah, that's a shame because he has the best single wrestling move in the history of wrestling. I don't care what anyone says. His shooting star press is the most beautiful wrestling move anyone's ever done. It is the cherry on the cherry on top of that spot as bad as I did feel for the guy was seeing how excited you were when he came out. You were like, yes, this is my boy. He's the best. And then two minutes later, you had to quote tweet yourself and just be like, ha, 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 ha. so. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Here's the thing. I don't want them to turn him into a joke. I would kind of love if it was a storyline for a month or two that he can't hit the shooting star press on anyone. Like he still executes it, but people keep rolling out of the way and he just gets more and more annoyed with it. 
and eventually hits it. But like, at least that would be something. Mm. It wouldn't be a complete joke. Just, oh, know. am I over the hill? Do I still have it? Yes, I do. I finally hit it. It'll be like a huge deal. Maybe, but I don't. Th- I don't think they'll do that. I I I think that's I I think it's better just to mention it at once, have them go out there, beat someone, and then just move on and not not make it into anything. Ah, uh, that's such a shame. Yeah, I've gotten to see him a couple times. I I saw him wrestle at a Ring of Honor show too several years ago, which was uh, which was cool. But anyway. But yeah, but overall, a good match. Um, I I liked Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston being the last one. I, I like Eddie Kingston being pushed because obviously he's one of our boys. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know why people were like, crapping on him so much. Like I saw so much hate for Eddie Kingston during the the finale of that match. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't encounter a lot of that, but I saw a lot of it, and I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. I was watching it. I didn't. Nothing made me think that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think he's amazing. I, I think he's immediately one of the top ten best talkers in all of AEW. Like as soon as he stepped in, I can see that. I mean, I don't. I don't have any really strong feelings on him either way. It is cool to see him there. Like it's cool to see a couple other NWA talents. But I, I, I was more focused on Lance Archer and when he won. I was like, yeah, that's that's right. I wasn't yeah, like yeah, yeah. Popping for it, but you're just like, no, that's the right call. Sure, I sure. That. I mean, I think everyone agrees with that. I think he was the odds-on favorite, and it it made the most sense, especially just because he hasn't really done anything really since the Cody match. He's pretty right. much. I think he's only had squash matches. I think in his. I think total, other than the Cody match, he's only had squash matches. So yeah. that's that's nice to see, and that'll be fun. Him and Moxley will be a lot of fun. I think they'll work really well together. He he plays into Moxley's style perfectly. Yeah, and where, I'll elaborate where he on that can a little just, bit more when we get can, to the main event. But I am really, really getting into John Moxley as champion. Yeah, where I mean, Lance Arch can literally just rip off Moxley's arms for like thirty minutes of wrestling, and then and it'll be very entertaining. So that'll be that'll be great. Uh, then oh boy. Um, I don't think there's really anything we need to say about Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. Okay, here's the thing. Like everyone, if you watch this at all, everyone knows that they should have stopped the match when it was clear that he was concussed out of his brain. Yeah. And that's the important thing to focus on, I think. That was a stupid spot. Like the way they have it set up, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Like I I, I struggle to imagine – what hitting that spot well would have looked like. Yeah. There wasn't a, they were on a scissor lift diving through a table onto concrete. There was no crash pad. Nope. There weren't like 14 tables. There was one table. Yeah. And it wasn't like Matt Hardy was on the table and Sammy Guevara was going to jump off onto him. Like, right. That's fine. You know, like there, there's plenty of ways this is done in this particular setting. Um, that's not usually what we see done in the setting. And that's exactly why. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a mess. It was genuinely like, and again, it, it was weirdly refreshing just because it was a different change of pace to see people say, Hey, that's really sloppy. That's Bush league. Like Tony Khan should know better. And he's responsible for letting that happen. And I think that's the correct take. I mean, I do start to feel bad for Sammy Guevara. I think they need to, yeah. Put him in another feud right now because he can't feud with Matt Hardy without almost killing him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a yeah. good performer, but like you can't they just don't work well together. I don't think Matt Hardy needs to be doing any of this stuff anymore like at this level, like that kind of spot. Yeah. I mean, he can barely walk as it is. And yeah, like, he's been ba- he can barely walk for literally the past 10 years and I'm not kidding. Like Yeah. It's been a long time and I, I saw someone tweet out like like um, Matt Hardy's AEW run so far and just yeah. how it's just been peppered with the worst luck probably of anyone in history. Mm-hmm. How it's like debut empty arena and then blood and guts canceled like his, his gimmick basically dropped for some reason after the first like month or so and then. You know, then all the stuff with with the Sammy matches and it's it's just like one after another. 
Yeah. The 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 highlight so far for Matt Hardy was definitely the uh, stadium, uh, the stadium match for sure. That that yeah. was that was the highlight of his uh, pool that that pool scene of him changing characters every time was right. amazing. And, I mean, and, you and, well, that see, and, like, and his promos with Jericho at the beginning were f- phenomenal mm-hmm. as well. But you could see like they were going to try to have a callback to some of that stuff because yeah, they clearly yeah. had all this stuff planned yep. in the stadium. Yep. And here here's the like the the moment the switch flipped for me because you could tell it was a bad spot, but like focusing I, I was too busy focusing on the ref and the announcers to really like dig into Matt Hardy's status at this point. And it wasn't until they were clearly stalling for time. It looked like the match had been stopped. Right. And the announcers were like well, look, the fact of the matter is that's just reality. Like when a man's safety is at stake, like you have to be an adult and make the right decision. And that was when I really sat up and I was like, oh, that's not just like, oh, can he continue? That's not like a stretcher job spot. They had to stop it. And I was like, wow, that's crazy and really scary, but like good on them. And like the, the way they're talking about it, they're not coming out and saying it. They're keeping it in kayfabe, but they're clearly saying, hey, he just got hurt. And you guys aren't going to get to see that match. Like, sorry, but yeah. this is a dangerous business that happens. And you're like, oh, man, that's – wow, that's awful. I hope that's okay because they're totally right. And then they're like, oh, no, here comes Matt Hardy again. Like they flip back into match mode, and it's just gross. Like, Yeah, that was rough. Because you can tell you know, when announcers in wrestling get serious and get real, and it rarely happens, luckily – but they did that. They made that gear shift and they were like, you know, honestly, it's just about doing the right thing. We have to stop. And you're like, oh, yeah, good for them. And then he comes back and they're like, yeah, forget all that. Look at this. Wee! Like they tried to go back into kayfabe. <laughs> yeah. And it just it was gross, man. It didn't work at all. It was no. a, it, it was it was Bush League. I mean, that's the best way I can say it. Like it was it was really sloppy. Yeah, it, it was it was not it was not handled well um, at all by by anyone. Um, I, I was. I was pretty sure it was real from the beginning, um, just with how Matt Hardy immediately moved. It was like, yeah, all right, like there's really good selling and wrestling, yeah. But if you've watched wrestling long enough, for the most part, you can kind of tell when it's not, and it's not mm-hmm. by the person selling; it's by the other person reacting to it. And yeah. the way Sammy Guevara was, you know, going through like, that's not how you sell that. You don't just fall down when someone's trying to pick you up multiple times. Like that's, that's not how wrestling works. You, you know, you, you ruin the flow when you do that. So it, once that was happening, it was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is not good. And then, and then, you know, they were going to cancel and then didn't, it, it was, it was very poorly, it was very poorly handled. Um, yeah, that was that was rough. That was rough. I mean, I, I understand why because the whole stipulation is Matt Hardy's gone if he loses. So right. they were. I think that solely is the reason this ended up being handled so sloppily. I agree. Is because it was literally like we've built this that, but at the same time, wrestling has been. I mean, how many retirement things have we had in wrestling? It happens all the time. So. I mean, Matt Hardy would have to leave for a while regardless, like he's hurt. So why not at that point, why not just do that? And then you have him come back in a month or two or, you know, whenever he's better. And that happens every year in the WWE for the past 20 years. That's especially when you have a character whose entire thing is multiple personalities. He's different people. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I think I think that's where the panic happened, and unfortunately, it was just that's what it was. It, it was a panic, so no one really had time to think through any of this, like we just yeah. did. So that's why it happened this way. So I understand why it happened this sloppily, and I, so I I feel like I'm trying not to be as harsh on AEW as a lot of people are. Just because I I see how difficult of a situation that was, but even still, it's just, you know, this is definitely one of those where it's like, all right, lesson needs to be learned here. Mm -hmm. Like really, really does. 
So I think I mean, hopefully that's one positive that might be taken out of this terrible situation. And they stop letting Matt Hardy try to do stuff like this. <laughs> I mean, that seriously, yeah, like it's yeah, two yeah. years overdue. Like wrestle cinematic matches and gimmick matches and you're going to be slow in the ring and that's fine. Everybody gets it, but you can't keep doing that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I totally agree. All right. Um, oh boy. Now let's go into my opinion the match of the night, we got to see our girl Thunder Rosa wrestle Woo! Hikaru Shida for the AEW Championship, NWA, representing again. That was awesome. Harris, this is one of the best women's matches I've ever seen. I think this is by far the best match any women have had in AEW, and I still think I think it was the best match of the night, even though it had to deal with the, the crowd and the carryover from the last match. But this match saved the pay-per-view. And I don't think anyone can argue that because they freaking killed it. Yeah, I think you're I think they they did exactly what they needed to do, something that was very difficult, which is go out there in front of a really shell shocked audience, both at home and at the arena, and just had a really great match. Mm-hmm. Just killed it. They they got the pay-per-view back on track. Cause up until that point, I'll be it was a bad show. Like it was yeah. a sloppy, sloppy show, and they went out and put on a really world class match. It was great. Yeah, it was so good. It it was, it was such a clean and tight wrestling match. I, I did they leave the ring more than like twice? Like I don't think so. They were in the ring almost the whole time. Like it, it was a clinic, Harris. It, it was a wrestling clinic. On like this is what a championship wrestling match should look like. And it was it was so good. It was so good. They made Thunder Rosa look like a million bucks, and you know they uh, Sheeta. That's the other thing. Sheeta has been in every one of the best women's matches in AEW, mm-hmm. and that's not like a surprise. Um, and there's a very clear reason for just how good she is. But personally, I cared way more about Thunder Rosa, obviously, as, obviously. as the NWA champion. And um, and that, that was awesome. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this would be great to have Thunder Rosa, but I still am like, yeah, but she's NWA. <laughs> so I'm like, man, we already lost Ricky Starks, already lost Eddie Kingston. Nah, hopefully, hopefully you don't lose Thunder Rosa too. So I kind of felt yeah. like that a little bit, but. Yeah, we'll see, but NWA is not going to be able to hold on to her for long, dude. She's money. I know, I know. Yeah, she'll she'll end up somewhere, obviously. But uh, yeah, that it was it was just it was so good. It, it was so good. Like it was just hard hard hitting, take you on this ride, slow burn, brutal. I mean, they beat the crap out of each other, and it was yeah, it, it was fantastic. And and as much as I liked some of the other matches, and as much as I I, I liked the main event and every, I I still think this was the best the best match of the night, just from top to bottom. I think it was. I think it was great. I personally, I prefer the main event a little bit, but like you're not that. That's a perfectly valid opinion. I think it's yeah. just a matter of taste at that point. It was an excellent, excellent match. Yeah. Exactly what the show needed. I mean, they went out there. That maybe not the coldest the crowd can get, but it's pretty, pretty close. close. Yeah, pretty close. And, and they, they 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 brought it back. They got it back on track. So yeah, excellent job. I don't think there's much more to say, honestly. No, no. It was just it was awesome. That's that's the best thing to say about it. It was awesome, and it made both of them look great. And it was it was exactly what they needed, and it was exactly what the pay per view needed, and it was exactly what the women's division needed. Like on all, it, yep. it couldn't have worked out better uh, than than it did for sure. Um. All right, then we had the eight-man tag team match, which is weird that something like this is on a pay-per-view because, I mean... I get that it was on the pay-per-view. I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess you need the variety between the title matches. Sure. But I would have expected it to be like the first match on the show. Yeah, it was It was kind of weird, and it was long. It was almost 15 minutes long. Like, I was surprised. I mean, and again, that might have been because of the amount of time that they still had just because of the, the, the Matt Hardy, Sam Guevara match. I'm wondering if yeah. that, I'm wondering if that helped, uh, the, the women's title match too. Cause that match was, uh, close to 20 minutes long. So I'm wondering, yeah, if- I'm not sure. I, my guess, cause I thought the same thing as that, the, the eight man tag in particular dragged on. I was wondering about that. 
Yeah. But I feel like if something like that happens, you just have to say, okay, the show is going to be like 20 minutes shorter. You would think because the show is so freaking long. It's like it could have used a good half hour less. So that that was kind of weird because that this match was it was fine. It just it dragged and it was like, I mean, it's not really a pay-per-view match. I thought it was fine. Like I said, I was expecting it to be lower on the card. I mean, it's function. It, it's not about having an in-ring classic. No, Any eight-man no. tag is not going to be a classic. Nope. It's just about advancing that storyline. And for that, it worked fine. Sure. You've got your um, – it's fun. I, I don't know if I've said this since we started recording, but I was watching this with a couple of my friends, including one or two people who were just there like by association with somebody who lived there and – aren't wrestling fans and this was the first wrestling they ever watched so it's interesting it's fun to go back and try to explain like okay these guys are basically a cult colt cabana doesn't know he's in a cult he thinks he's in a self-help group so they've done a lot of really messed up stuff that he doesn't know about he's kind of the chump of this group and like watching that dynamic play out while cody's friends and family are like Hey, you killed our friend, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. By the way, we haven't commented on that. Everybody on the planet going into that match was like, oh, so we're going to do that thing where they fight and then he beats Brody Lee and retains because he's Cody Rhodes. Oh, no, he's dead. Oh, no. Oh, geez. Yeah. This is really bad. It was great. It anyway, was. like it was. That, so that story getting advanced really worked. Colt Cabana being on, you know, bad terms with the rest of the Dark Order really works. Dustin getting the pin and then as a reward getting a one-on-one match with Brody Lee this Wednesday yeah. where he's going to get annihilated. Like yep. it, it's yep. all setting up the rest of this story to continue really, really well. I just – you're right. Like everything that actually happened was perfectly fine. It was a very dynamite match. It was just yeah, there for the yep, story. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it did the job and so – it, it is what it is. It just could have been way shorter. Just it dragged. Also, did I miss something? I, I I don't. I haven't missed an episode of Dynamite. Why is Scorpio Sky not with SCU and now with this random group? Wh- what happened? I, I oh I don't know. I, I I've watched every Dynamite. I don't I don't know why that I don't know why he's there. It, I don't it's watch very as confusing. Much as you, so I figured it was explained at some point. No, I was like, not oh, on yeah, Dynamite. Dustin, that makes sense. Maybe it's Zach been explained. Ryder, that makes sense. Maybe it's been explained on uh, BTE or or Dark or something. But it mm. has not been explained on Dynamite. He's just not. I don't know. He's just not with SCU. I guess. I I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on there. But um, anyway, then we got the tag team title match with FTR and uh, Omega and Page, which again was fantastic. Exactly what a tag team title match should look like. Both sides were just giving a million percent with this thing. The match was great, and the story was great, and everything that happened was great, and the aftermath was great, and I I don't see how it could have been any better, Harris. Yeah, I mean, I'm noticing a theme here, which is that like we spent more time talking about the bad matches than they actually lasted. Harris, that's our podcast. That's true. That is true. Yeah, no, this is is where I was going with this. So, yeah, both – like the winners and the losers of this match I think are on great, like really interesting trajectories just in terms of storytelling. FTR and the Young Bucks is like the dream match that's been in everyone's mind for years now. Yep. That's going to be – awesome omega and page slowly breaking up and like some people pointed this out like the cracks are there now they're not even starting to show they're just there like he just left him face down dead in the ring and yep left the show i like that they didn't like nobody turned on anybody like that's gonna come i think but they tried their best and they just got beat by ftr and that's like that was such a great story that gives the rub to ftr in such Mm -hmm. a good way because you know they're such a good tag team and that really best. delivered on that, made them look like a million bucks, made Omega and Page look like exactly what they are, which is two great singles wrestlers who got picked apart and ultimately beaten by a better team. Yep. Like all of that. And I know you have a problem, like more of a problem with this than I do. But for me, like if you're going to shotgun two single stars to the tag team titles, that's exactly how you end it yep. with a team like the Revival. It's FTR, you know what I mean? Yeah. Coming yeah. in and saying, no, 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 we're a better tag team. We're winning these. And then they do just straight up and like not really anything too dirty about it or too obvious about it. That was that was great. I'm excited to see the Bucks fight them. I'm excited to see what happens next with Adam Page and Kenny Omega. 
here's the only other thing I have to say about this. It was their match with the Bucks that went for like an hour and everybody said was like the best tag match of all time, right? Yeah, which I we both highly disagreed with. I thought that match was fine. Sure, I honestly sure. thought this one was better. I, and maybe I agree. it's just because I think the story progressed more. So it was like, all right, new champions, old team. And it was actually a wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's dude, I think it's the revival. Honestly, I'm of gonna course. keep calling them that, even though that's, that's not their name anymore. Don't sue fine. me. They are just that good at bringing everyone to their level and telling it sounds super cliche but telling an old school story in an yep. old school wrestling match. It feels bring, real. Yes. They bring everyone down to earth and that's what makes their matches feel so special. And they, they have that ability to be them. like, Oh, you like to wrestle like this. Well, guess what? Yeah. Not when we're here. And, and I gotta be honest. I don't think the bucks beat them. I think they're going to ride this for a little bit longer. I think they 100% should. I think these guys should hold this title for ever, like for as long as anything like they, (laughs) they need to hold it forever and just be the tag team in AEW, just unbeatable. And then at some point you have some, I I don't know who, but you, you pick your choice of babyface tag team or whatever. And then they get the giant, well, we can't say WrestleMania moment because that's not here, but the giant all out or whatever pay-per-view moment where they win. And then a month later, they're beat again for the title like they need to do that. That's that's the NWA style yeah. of, of wrestling. And I think 100 percent that needs to be the blueprint, at least for a while with with the tag team division and, and FTR. They need and to I be think- the champions. They need to be the the. The constant champions, pretty much the constant heel champions, where all the babyface teams have to basically try and climb this insurmountable mountain, and then you know a couple times, maybe once or twice a year, you you give them that win, and then it's a huge deal. But then they're right back onto it. And Dude, I, think, I could I think not agree more. I think they're the perfect heel champions. I think a big part of what made their NXT run so great was that is exactly what happened. Yep. And you have great team after great team, like fan favorites coming up against these guys and just not quite being able to pull it off every time. I mean, they're so good. And this is what makes this match so fascinating. The Bucks are great and the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. The complete yep. opposite, like the clash of styles is going to be just awesome. That's why this is a dream match. And I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, it's going to be was. I thought it was weird. And this is absolutely nitpicking. I think everything they did here storytelling wise and match wise was great. I thought it was weird that Kenny Omega was the one who got so mad at the end when like, I feel like the bucks have been the most antagonistic towards Adam page this entire time. I feel like that kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if that's more of like Kenny Omega being a heel in the past. No, and I, I, I haven't seen it. I so I don't made, know. But. I think it made, I think it made perfect sense because he's been the one Who's been like, no, 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 Hangman's fine. Like, yeah. maybe this, but but it's fine. And then even last week, he barely talked to him after he cost the Young Bucks the uh, the match. And now, now they now they can't even hold on to the titles or win with him. And so I can totally see this being a snapping point for someone who has, for the longest time, been like, no, 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 he's fine, he's fine, everything's fine, we're good. And now, mm-hmm. and now that's that that barrier was gone once they lost the titles. So yeah. then it, it all just floods out at once. To me, it made I, sense. I can, I can see that. I mean, I, like I said, this is definitely a nitpick. It just it wasn't like Hangman like botched anything or cost them the match. I mean, Omega was the one that kicked him in the face right, on accident. Right. Like, yeah, that's fair. It was just weird. Like, it felt like he was blaming him when the story they told and told very well was, "Hey, these guys like got beat." And didn't really start to fall apart until yeah. after the match. And it was, again, nitpicking. I think they'll do a good job, like telling this story in the weeks to come. That was just my only. The fact that the young bucks were like, "Hey, man, what's wrong?" When you thought they'd be like, "See, come on, let's get out of here." You know what I mean? Like it wasn't as clean or as consistent as I thought it was going to be. But again, yeah, that's a total nitpick. I'm very excited to see where all of this goes. And yeah, FTR needs to hold these titles for at least a year, yeah, if not longer. Yeah. Yep. 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 One one hundred percent, and we need we need heel Kenny Omega. Uh, we need heel Kenny Omega. We just we do. We we, we need we I'm need heel say about this. Kenny Omega. The the Terminator clap is one of my favorite things in pro wrestling. It's that so is so good. cool. 
It's so good. Like a lot of things that wrestling fans do are just annoying, but especially when Hangman Page is just lying dead on the floor and he's holding whatever that was, like a table or something, mm-hmm. and he really wants to light him up, and the crowd starts clapping the Terminator. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool. We all want the cleaner, man. We all oh, want the cleaner. Man. We all want the leader of the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega, Dude, back. We we all we, want it. The, that's the thing. I know people have been frustrated because, you know, he hasn't been like the superstar wrestling god, Kenny Omega. But, man, when he busts out, people are going to lose their minds and it's going to be really, really cool. I, we all want it. We all want it. And it's going to be amazing when it does happen. Uh, so, yeah, so that was that was great. Uh, then we had the Orange Cassidy Chris Jericho match, which, I mean, it was exactly, I think, what everyone thought it was going to be. Um, I don't think there were any surprises in this match at all. And and that's fine. That's fine. That I have no issues with that. I, someone better go into the stupid mimosa. That's all I cared about because <laughs> I, I don't understand the stupid stipulation with that match. They're like, oh, yeah, pin, submission, or go in the mimosa. It's like, wh- what? What are we doing here? Well, why see, why, why even have thing. a stupid pin or submission? That's the dumbest thing ever. If this ends with pin or submission, we all riot. Like, no. Just make it. See, you have to throw them in the mimosa. <laughs> This is the only thing that surprised me about this match, and it's because I heard this over and over and over again. Like the somebody pointed out, they're like, "That's a weird stipulation." So I feel like what they were like. Obviously, Chris Jericho is getting thrown into the mimosa, but what might happen is he might steal a win by like cheating or getting a sneaky pinfall. I guess. But then Orange Cassidy gets the last lap and kicks him into the mimosa anyway. Because otherwise, why introduce that as a stipulation? So that's what I really. But now, was now happen. you're WWE garbage 50-50 booking, which well, right. AEW, well, which AEW has done a good job of not doing that. They're only a handful of times have they actually done that. It's been very right. rare, which is wonderful. Right. So I guess the only reason they did it was to make people like me think that might happen and then go the other way. So it's fine. Like I guess create that illusion of doubt. You know, like. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I was fine with it. It was fun. Yeah. I like to see like the evolution, kind of the breakout of Orange Cassidy has been fun. Like right from the start, I, I was telling my buddy who has never watched wrestling before. I was like, yeah, most matches he wrestles like the first few minutes with his hands in his pockets. Yeah. So get ready for this. And he was about to do the thing where he puts his hands in his pockets. And then he said no and just charged at Chris Jericho. Like that was a really fun little twist that it I was. genuinely didn't see coming. Little bits and pieces like that where you're seeing this guy – one, that was just a smart thing to do. Like it's fun to see a smart baby face in any situation. Yeah. And to see Jericho immediately counter it. Like it just gets the match off to a great like interesting start. True. That isn't the same like, oh, it's it's Orange Cassidy being goofy and slow for the first few minutes. That's kind of what I was expecting to see. I like that they're proving that he can evolve and wrestle – different kinds of matches and wrestle like more of a straight up match from the start yeah, and less of a gimmicky comedy match. Although he can still do that. You know, it, it was a really good pace for him for the rubber match of a feud for the blow off match. Like that was really appropriate. That was a nice touch. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It was, it was, it was fine. The only issue with the match is by this point, I didn't care anymore. Like it was, and, and I am on, I'm in mountain time. So it wasn't, it was two hours earlier than it was for, all you guys on the East Coast, and I was done basically. But but after the tag match, I was like, this this show's been going on for so long, and it was really hard to to care as much as I wanted to about this match at this point. Um, just with it being the gimmick match and all that stuff, and after all the you know the other match, and it was I don't know, this was like what three plus hours into the show at this point. And it was just so yeah. it was kind of tough, but yeah, but the match was the match was good, and and you know it, it was they did they did exactly what they needed to do, and yeah, so I, I have no problems with it at all. All right, now the main event: John Moxley versus MJF, and this match was really well done. Um, to to me, I was a little worried about this match because, and it's something I didn't really think about too much until the past week or so. Maybe the last dynamite. I I absolutely love MJF's character. I I love it. I love this heel douchebag. Just the 
biggest jerk in the world. It's it's great, and he's so good at it, and he's so believable at it. It's wonderful. Like his first promo, that presidential uh, speech, the very first one to start this feud was one of the best uh, promos we've seen in AEW this year. Um, but going into this match, did anyone actually think he had any chance of winning? Cause I didn't, I think you're in the minority there, dude. I really thought he was going to win. I, I thought didn't. we were going to get a new champion. And I thought the stipulation was going to be a big part of that. Like, I don't think in kayfabe, obviously, I don't think MJF can beat John Moxley in a fair wrestling match. I sure, sure, sure. But introducing that little wrinkle which is the perfect little heel douchebag move yeah yeah it was for that great. character it would not have been surprising to me and they teased it too they teased it to see john moxley get so mad that he loses his mind locks him in and hits the um i always want to call it the awful actions ironically i'm sorry right right, the right. yeah the paradigm shift and loses the title on dq which i think we talked about this a few minutes ago. That's the WWE move. Like that's but, the but, Randy but, Orton but, and Christian. But not that, really because, again, I can't think of any time when a stipulation like that has actually cost the title. Like it, it, it happens for matches all the time, but not usually for the title. And so I never even thought that was ever going to happen. That didn't even cross my mind that oh, that was actually going to happen. No, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. And I love that they like they introduced that as a possibility when he sure, sure. I mean, because that's literally the only time I can think of it happening is that money in the bank. I think in 2011, right before the main event with Punk and Cena, where Christian and Randy Orton have a match with that stipulation. If you get DQ'd, you lose and lose your title. And Christian wins because he literally he just spits in Randy Orton's face and Randy Orton gets so mad that he gets DQ'd and loses his title. I wasn't. I, that that's kind of where I thought this was going to go mm-hmm. is it was going to be some kind of dirty finish, whether it was with the ring or just getting oh, him to wait. use his finisher and get DQ'd. Yeah. I mean, I could see it, uh, the dirty finish, but I just didn't, I just didn't see MJF at all being, being champion right now. And th- this is the one thing I think is a danger for that character is MJF was played as a complete joke. This entire feud so far. I mean, they had him. They had him get a bunch of heat on the dynamite, but other than that, he's just been a joke. And 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 Moxley's so good at being that type of promo too, because of how he's just kind of a not care. Type, that's just that's just his character, and so he's just making fun of MJF the whole time. And the way MJF's acting, it's just like he just kind of looks like a joke and the cowardly douchebag heel works really well if there's a base of authority behind it and mjf i don't think quite has that yet because he hasn't really done a ton like they've been pushing he hasn't been pinned and all this stuff but he also hasn't i mean he beat he beat cody but that's kind of it and especially lately, he hasn't really been wrestling. And the last time we saw him in a match, his team, his tag team lost when Wardlow got pinned. So going into this, I'm just like, he hasn't, he doesn't have that air of authority around him. So I, 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 I think that character, it needs, it needs something like that. He, he needs to get a handful of major wins pretty close together because again when was that cody win it was back at the 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 pay-per-view that moxie won the title uh full uh um shoot whatever it was the they all run back together in, honestly i don't one back in uh february and so it's been kind of since then that he's really done much so i don't know i i feel like they need to do more a little consistently in the ring with him than they have been because obviously he's amazing talking, but with that type of character, there has to be an element of Dane, like of real kind of, he, he, a handful of built up wins against major people, like several of them for that to really be effective. Because a lot of, a lot of the famous big time heels have, have done that. And, you know, obviously Ric Flair's the crowning example of that, 
but you knew Ric Flair was going to win. Like you knew he was going to win the title and he was going to be the champion and stuff. So even though he's running away from people and begging and all that type of stuff, it, it works. It, it works to be a serious title contender and act that way and then not really win a lot of these matches. It just seems kind of it just seems slippery slope for me. So I'm a little worried because I love his character and him so, at doing that so much. I really hope it doesn't that doesn't happen. I can see that. I feel like they know what they have in him and they're going to be very careful not to let that happen. I do agree that we need to see something from him in the ring. We need to see him like because he's going to keep feuding with John Moxley, but he doesn't yeah. have the next title shot. We need to see him feud with and beat somebody. Yes. Like bad. straight up after bad. this. But like I think the reason that I enjoyed this match a lot more is I think we just have very different perceptions of like where MJF is and how he's being portrayed. Because to me, this entire time, and you're right, like it hasn't really been like proven in kayfabe in the ring. But I think it's because he's got this one percenter thing going. He's just got this air of authenticity. Like maybe it's just because his catchphrase is I'm better than you and you know it. Like I never doubted that this guy was a good wrestler. I know. But I felt like the story – well, the story they were telling and Moxley actually comes out and says this in the pre-fight video package, which I guess was a promo from earlier. But he just said, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to come out here. You're going to hit me with everything you got. You're probably going to cheat. And at the end of the day, you're going to realize you're just not there yet. I feel like that was always the story they were telling here. This was never going to be like MJF has arrived as the next Ric Flair. This is right. MJF in his first attempt to be Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Like I sure I felt like that was always pretty clear. I like the comedy bits like NJF 2020, I thought was really fun, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that made him look like a joke in terms of an entering competitor. I thought it made him look like exactly what he is, which is a chickenish heel. Who's going to use like whatever unfair advantage he can to take advantage of the babyface champ who is a better wrestler than him right now? Yeah, I, I feel I like don't that think... worked all the way across the board. And I feel like the match was competitive enough and MJF had enough good moments to prove like, no, he is good at this. He's just not as good as John Moxley. And while we're on the subject, I'm just going to pivot a little bit. John Moxley has been booked as like a really smart, tough babyface champion, yeah. in my opinion, which is fun because you don't see that a lot. True. Like he beat who was it? The big um big big veiny boy. Is it Brian Cage? Yeah, Whoever yeah, he yeah, beat yeah, with a yeah. chokehold. Brian Cage, yeah. That was a really fun, like different finish that yeah, you don't I see it. a lot. I liked it a lot. And then like we, we talked about this on Twitter. I really like the finish of this match where he knows, okay, he can't use the paradigm shift. At one point they pump fake with it. Like this is what I thought was gonna happen. He starts to do it. And then he catches himself. I really thought he was going to be like the dumb WWE babyface, hit his finisher and lose his title. And then we're going to have, you know, like that's going to be the chase for the next month is John Moxley coming back after his title, trying to beat up this guy who he knows he's better than and let MJF do the chicken-ish heel with the belt thing for a while. I like that he caught himself. And I like that at the very end, like he recognizes exactly what's going to happen. MJF, by the way, this whole moment with the ring and the finish was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was good. I... Because, like, Wardlow tosses him the ring, distracts the ref, and not only does he not catch it, he doesn't catch it in a way that it falls directly between him and John. Yeah. He has to turn around, crawl for it, and, like, pause for that great shot to happen where yep. they both realize what's about to happen. John sees the ring on the ground. There's, like, a great close-up of it. It was really well, like, directed by yes. whoever was producing it. Yes, it was. And he realizes this guy is about to hit me with the ring while the ref's not looking and hits him with his own finisher first and then gets the win. To me, I felt like that's the best of both worlds. I feel like that is John Moxley not being the typical idiot that we expect good guys to be in wrestling because that's how WWE likes to book them. And it gives MJF something to whine about for forever, for whenever they're ready to restart their feud. You know what? Because it is like he did break the stipulation, but a stipulation saying you can't use the wrestling move that you're really good at because I'm scared of it is such a heel thing to do that yeah, breaking that stipulation when it's so clear that the guy was about to use a foreign object to cheat to win anyway, I felt like was more than fair. I don't think I know you said it was kind of a heelish thing to do. I don't think that many fans are going to feel that way, honestly. Yeah, like if he had not. hit him with a chair when the ref wasn't looking. That's one thing. Hitting him with your own finishing move, which everyone knows outlawing is a cheap move anyway. 
I thought was fine. I thought it was a really fun finish. And I think that might just be because we clearly had different expectations for this match and for like what they're going to do with MJF. So it took me by surprise. Maybe that's why I liked it, but sure. I thought it was great. I really, really liked this match. Yeah, I liked the match a lot. Um, it, it helped it helped get me back into it after kind of being done with just how mm-hmm. late it was because they just did such a great job of of working this match. And they did a, I mean, Moxley is is great at getting beat up. He's really good at that, which is a very big babyface thing to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and where it's believable, especially for a character that's kind of as gung ho and as tear your head off as Moxley is, that's a mm-hmm. difficult thing to be able to do to actually get beat up for a whole match especially by a guy that's smaller than you. Um, and so MJF did a really good job of taking advantage of that. Obviously, all the heel stuff. They they told a good, a really good story where, I mean, was there ever a segment where MJF didn't cheat? Again, that's why he's done, he's such a great heel. And it's just, we just don't see a lot where he is one of the better in-ring performers in AEW. And we yeah. constantly forget it because he doesn't do it. Because <laughs> because people like it. It's the well, same even, thing. It's it's when you become a heel, you don't jump off the top rope anymore, which, again, yep. this doesn't exist nowadays. But that that's what it is. You don't do that. You don't do flashy moves. You don't do fun moves because people like it. Heels are not supposed to do that. And uh, that's what MJF totally gets. And then that's why every now and then we then have him wrestle Jungle Boy. And they're both like, whoosh. And we're like, oh, my gosh. It's like the best wrestling match I've ever seen. <laughs> we're like, yeah, because he's that good. And you got to see, I mean, when he's in big matches, again, we don't get to see him. He's har- He hardly ever wrestles. So it's hard to, we don't really get to see much anyway. But in these big matches that he's in, he will bring it out and you see it in, in certain segments and it's great. But then he, he immediately stops and is like, nope, I'm going to kick you in the balls. And it's just like, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. And and they told the story of him just trying every possible way to just cheat and beat because he can't beat Moxley because Moxley just yeah, keeps coming. Just not there yet. And, and so yeah. and he can't do it. So he's and obviously he's a heel anyway. So you like seeing that. But he's constantly doing it. And then near the end, there was a great part. Where again, he distracts the ref, kicks him in the balls, and then distracts him and th- pokes him in the eye. Like, like there was this like five minute stretch where he was just doing all this stuff and c- couldn't beat him. And uh, so yeah, and, th- and then of course it goes to all right. Well, I gotta knock him out with this ring, and 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 goes to that, and then obviously it it didn't work. And that whole segment was great. Um, I I just thought it makes Moxley look like kind of a pansy for that. It's like, okay, well, you clearly couldn't beat him without your move like you said you could. So, uh, all right, I guess you had to cheat and win. And now, for for MJF, that's the best possible finish, period. It is the best possible thing for that character. And if that was what they were mainly focused on, then fine. That's fine. I I think it – Moxley's good enough or he can't really be hurt by much. So so even with my complaints about it, like it's not – Oh, they ruined Moxley's character. It's like, no, 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 not at all. I just, I thought it didn't make him look great, but, but it was perfect for MJF because MJF has ammunition forever and he needed ammunition, uh, especially with Moxley because of the way it had built up. Like at every segment, Moxley was just like, no, you're an idiot punk kid. And, 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 and they didn't, I didn't think they did a great job of MJF really being able to counter any of that. So it was kind of tough with the promos, just with how harsh Moxley was on him. Um, so I think this helps a lot because now he has that, that spark of ammunition that is real. It's real. Again, mm-hmm. the best heel things are when they're saying yeah. something that's half real. Right. And um, because you're like, it makes you even more frustrated when you're like, Oh yeah, it kind of makes sense. And I hate that. Right. So he has that now. So that's, perfect that that's great and and for whenever they wrestle again it'll uh, i think the buildup will be way way better because he has that now so i think it'll yeah. in the future so as much as i didn't necessarily love the finish just from the moxley character perspective storytelling wise yeah it, it it works it works great yeah and here's the this is the other fun thing is like i said i was watching this show with a couple people who don't watch wrestling and obviously, like, it's very silly. Just pro wrestling in general is a is a silly thing to happen. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's definitely <laughs> right, not. Of course not. We have never seen a single silly thing happen in wrestling on this show. So it's great. It, like, just the little moments where they get, like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. Like, when MJF makes his way down to the ring 
And as soon as he's done, they're just like, yeah, I hate this guy. (laughs) You're like, right, exactly, because he's good, because he's so good. That's exactly it. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. He has that face, man. He was born born with a face to play this. Like, he couldn't be a baby face if he tried. He, he couldn't just with that, with that, with his, fa- his face just looks hateable. It, it, you can't, and you can't, you can't learn that. It's just, that's just given. It's like, it's like JBL. JBL could never be a baby face if he tried. He's this fat, ugly, dorky, <laughs> dumb looking person. It's a perfect look for a heel, man. And I hate that guy so much. And it's, it's, it's a kind I feel that way kind of with MJF. It's just, he, he just has that and, and he uses it and it's great. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's a show. So uh, all out. Yeah, not nearly as bad as everyone, as a lot of people were complaining about, but definitely not the best AEW show by any means. So definitely a step down for them for uh, pay-per-views. I think that's impossible not to say. But just because your step down was from amazing doesn't mean the show was bad. You know, so it's still it was still a good pay-per-view. Especially the back half. The back half really helped. Once you got into the the, the title matches and and Cassidy and Jericho, it uh well well I guess really the t- starting with the women's match obviously yeah really the women's match other than the eight man tag match wasn't great but women's match on the back half of the show was just about as good as most of their other shows and so really overall it really saved the pay per view and I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I think the back half especially was very strong. I think there was some really great storytelling here. I'm excited to see what happens next, which is kind of the best thing you can say about a wrestling pay-per-view. Just get your ropes under control and change your safety <laughs> protocols like it's the stuff that was bad. What wasn't the entering product? It was like, hey some of what y'all are doing is really sloppy and it's actually pretty dangerous and scary and you need to tighten that up. Like that's why people are so harsh on it because the things that are good are like pro wrestling good. The things that were bad were like, Hey, in real life, this is bad. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a mixed bag for sure. It was still a really solid show. And like, as long as Matt Hardy doesn't, you know, have any serious long-term complications from this in the future, I think people will look back on this show in a year or two and remember it a lot more fondly than the initial reactions are. Yep, I agree. <laughs> All right, so that is it for our, our all-out review, and um, now we're going to actually talk about the movie You Woo! Cannot Kill David Arquette. So definitely click on to part two of the podcast where we are going to go in-depth into that absolute masterpiece. So go and check that out. 